What if I told you that even the worst neighborhood in America could be made completely safe? How do I know this? Because it's happening right now in every country in the world but this one. It is great to see American machines helping to promote peace abroad. So then tell me, why can't we use these machines here at home? Why is America so robophobic? Hello and welcome to the Spoiler Guys podcast where we bring you the film reviews that are only safe to listen to after the credits roll. Back in Sydney are my stalwart Spoiler Guys, Giles Hardy. Hello Giles. Hello Alice. Um, we have the technology, we have rebuilt the podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have indeed, we have indeed. And Mark Finnell. hello Mark. I'll buy that for a dollar. Hello, how are you? <laughs> Sorry, it was, no I should have gone that accent for anything. I, I, I should have done it the other way around. I should have said hi, like a normal person, and then given the quote like a lunatic. That is totally fine. That's where we're spoiling. You're spoiling your own introduction. That's cool. Um, <laughs> and t- today it's visors down as we go back to the future with RoboCop. This remake of the 1987 Paul Verhoeven classic certainly seeks to give us both barrels with its hefty cast and shiny special effects. But were we sold on Samuel L. Jackson's propaganda? Mark, how child, how much childish glee did you bring with you into the cinema? Oh, well, it's actually a lot easier to have more childish glee in this movie than there was in the original because it's a lot more PG-rated than the original Robocop. Uh, it's funny because Giles and I saw this movie together and I think it's fair to say, Giles, that our expectations were fairly like low, like like sub- <laughs> subterraneanly low. And yeah, my, my was... expectations had been shot full of more bil- bullets than, you know, a Detroit police <laughs> officer before he gets rebuilt. Totally. And then and then there was like, I remember this moment where about 15 minutes we kind of looked at each other after the, and went, if this continues like this, this is pretty damn good. Uh, and so maybe it's a byproduct of like lower expectations. but And also... I will confess, I, I had seen the original film about a year and a half ago, but I, it wasn't necessarily like super fresh in my memory. I like the original, I enjoy the original, but I don't think I, I think it had enough space for me to kind of go be a little bit open to a remake. And I think they managed to 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 reinvent or reimagine, as the cliche is, quite well, and and, and mm-hmm. kind of bring a lot of the world today and and the the technological hangups we have today into it quite nicely. Also, it's very funny. Yeah, it is super funny. I had a good giggle. And funnily enough, I had the same experience with with my boyfriend who leant over to me about 15 minutes through going, wow, this this could actually be okay. So maybe mm. our expectations are pretty low. But, but Giles, where were your dopamine levels as you entered and then exited <laughs> the cinema? I was, um, yeah, I, I, the T-1000 of trepidation uh, had uh, <laughs> come with me uh, to, and, and Mark, obviously, uh, to, to see this film. I was very worried. And it was partly based on the absence of marketing uh, in, in the build-up. Like, the, it, for a film that, you know, had so much potential uh, marketing, it, it was only very close to release that they bothered to start mentioning it to people that it was coming out. Um, I mean, obviously we knew because we, you know, keep track of release schedules and things, but I was very surprised how little attention was getting. It was getting some poor uh, buzz out of the States. They released one clip uh, and we'll come to uh, what I think is wrong with that clip in a while, but they, it was a bad selection of a clip. And so it, it, I really went in with, almost an informed trepidation, only to be vastly surprised uh, by the film. I, I really had a lot of fun 
watching this, I, I don't think it is uh, flawless by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but no, I was uh, very pleasantly surprised. Um, how about you, Alice? Did it leave you dead or alive? And are you coming with it? <laughs> I, I'll take it in black, thanks. Um, yeah, I have two older brothers. So, of course, I grew up with Robocop, the original. I probably watched it younger than I potentially should have, Mark, because you're right, it's, it's pretty full on. Um, I, yep. can't, I can't really... Um, you know, I didn't rewatch it. I was, I was toying with whether or not I should rewatch it before seeing this one. And I'm kind of glad I didn't because I just went in with whatever vague memories I had. And then, um, but mostly I went in with the expectation that I love Joel Kinnaman because I've just finished watching all of the US series of The Killing and Detective Holder can do no wrong in my eyes. The dude is so <laughs> cool. Um, and I was like, I will see Joel Kinnaman in, in anything. Uh, and he's just pure gold in The Killing. If you haven't seen No, 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 killing, he's not gold. He's He's, he's a black. Tweet. He's, he's titanium, baby. Yeah, yeah. It's some sort of alloy, I'm sure. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, so, yeah, my expectations, I don't know, over here in, in Dublin, we had, you know, a few ads and it's showing in IMAX. So it's certainly being splashed around a little bit. But, um, but yeah, maybe potentially more than, than in Sydney. Uh, we didn't see it in IMAX. We just saw, saw the original um, and it was, you know, like it's solid, like it's totally fine. I mean, it's, I, I have some quibbles with it and certainly we can get into those, um, but, you know, it goes bang and it makes you giggle and it made me creepy when it was like a headless lung person thing and, you know, Detective Holder won the day for me. Um, but I don't know whether or not we want to compare with the original, should we... You know, this one takes us onto the streets of Tehran in the beginning, right? And so obviously the war in Iraq and Afghanistan are a clear kind of backdrop to the film. And, and Mark, you alluded to this earlier. Did did that kind of reimagining of it, a, a future future in, you know, 2028, did that work for you? It certainly resonated. And I think there is a, there's a common thing at the moment to try and make uh, every film about the future uh, resonate with the big kind of the big issues at the moment, you know, GFC, war and wars in Iraq and stuff like that. What I liked about it actually before it even got to Tehran was the Samuel L. Jackson basically playing black Glenn Beck. I actually thought that <laughs> like setting, setting up that universe where, um, uh, opinion media really dictates the entire landscape and it's got less to do with the laws uh, and the political reality as much as it has to do with perception. Was Actually, mm-hmm. I thought I, the fact that they put that before they put Tehran, because it would have been very easy to start the film in Tehran, which would have been an interesting kind of like, this looks like our world, but it's not our world, and then suddenly have a reveal of a robot. You could have done that and it would have worked okay. But starting off with uh, Jackson... And giving like a, a, a you know setting this the scene for for satire, which is actually the thing that the original film did really well, which is uh, which is give you a universe which was black and then blackly funny. They actually cottoned onto that quite early, and I thought setting up that universe first was was really effective, and then going into Tehran and really not leaning heavily on too much of the iconography of the original until you get well and truly into the investment in the characters, investment in the universe. I thought that was really important. I firstly want to go even earlier. I think from the moment you've got a weird sort of vocal warm-up noise over the MGM <laughs> Over the lion. Great, great. Was, non, non, that was a really moment. interesting because when you're doing a remake for your first statement to be a nod and a wink that is simultaneously kind of saying we don't have a lot of respect for tradition here. 
is a very yeah. interesting statement. I, I thought that was nice. It was very much saying we're not going to be treating, you know, there's no sacred cows, there's no holy grail here. This is, you know, we're, we're doing our own film. I thought the Tehran thing was good. Um, I, I thought um, it, the way it used the visuals of the two uh, robots that had been in, um, in the original the films, original. very well. Like we saw the T one and the T two, and they. Uh, well, I keep thinking of them as the the, uh, the Terminator numbers, but the the RoboCop, and then the uh, whatever the big one that looks half half alien, half robot. Um, but I also think Tehran was <laughs> the last droids. time we Let's had just an call action them the battle scene. Droids. Yeah, yeah, that's what I, also, I thought too. I, I also think Tehran was the last action sequence that worked in this film. Um, yeah. This is my biggest gripe with this film. I agree, I disagree with one set statement that you made, Alice, is when you said this went bang. Every time this went to an action scene, as far as I'm concerned, this film went thud. Uh, <laughs> it was it was just so, like the the clip that I referenced before the the one they used they the for marketing purposes they released the clip of the training battle he does in China when he is taken to the factory and he's you know shooting um, hundreds of of the robots and ultimately then trying to take out the uh, the 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 training boss and that a out of context that is a terrible clip it doesn't feel action oriented at all but even when you watch it in the film it's utterly lacking in adrenaline he doesn't seem particularly skilled or particularly good he just seems to be winning because the script says that he's going to and ultimately every action sequence in this film ends up feeling like it plays out because the script says that's how that scene has to work. I, d- I never felt a genuine storytelling in action, uh, but I also never felt any adrenaline in it. They were all so tepid. Um, there's mm. the scene uh, when he uh, when he is attacking the drug den and it goes to night vision. That was like a bad Commodore Amiga game, and I had plenty of bad <laughs> Commodore Amiga games and plenty <laughs> of good ones as well, but uh, that was just really and so I, I found it fascinating that not only did my expectations of this film being bad get turned around, but I was genuinely stunned by the only thing that I didn't like, which was the action. Mm. Wow. Okay, yeah, the, I reckon that's a fair cop. I certainly wrote in, in my notes that um, evil Eric Stoltz was was totally meh and that whole night vision goggle scene didn't really work. I kind of wished they'd done, like, taken a keener edit or even just looked at district nine you know how like they went into the they used first person really well in district nine to kind of sink you into the world and considering they'd already established that they were getting the live feed from robocop and they could have used that control room a lot better to allow us to kind of be in his eyes you know and and feel like it just could have been edited a lot more tightly and you could have been yeah, looking through his eyes and experiencing it in that same way. But maybe maybe you're right, Giles, maybe they lowered the dopamine levels too much in the edit suite or whatever and, and you just mm. didn't get any kind of sense um, that it was an elegant or uh, adrenaline-packed ride through through the set pieces. Whereas in the lab, I really felt like they kind of were having a lot of fun. Can I just go into bat? Well, I'm not going to bat for it, but I, I, I will say that I, I, the, the only fight scenes that didn't work for me are the ones when you pass the halfway mark. Like the, the initial training scene when he's in the big warehouse, I thought that was really thrilling. The stupid shit with the night vision goggles, I see the, my issue with that is that you're fighting a robot, what possible advantage do you think you get from night vision? You get fuck all. Like that, like that didn't make it, that was just there because we need variation in the fight scenes, you know. Right, but it was really right. the, it was really, and I, like, I know that 
the the one that will always get me is is when they get the big you know the big giant you know one story machines in the foyer of um of the robotics company. I just tuned straight out because it was like it's nothing but pixels. There's no physics. There's no weirdly for a film where emotionally I invested actually quite a lot and quite a lot more than I expected to in that sequence. I was like, well, obviously he's going to survive because we know he has to make it up to the roof because I know that that's where the climax is going to be because that's just how the mechanics of these kinds of movies work, which meant that everything Mm -hmm. between there and the roof was kind of just like, I can fast forward it because it doesn't in the, the, the function of the story means it doesn't matter. And then the fact that it was so computer generated means that it, it matters even less because you know, it. there's not even like, Oh, how did they do that? There's none of that. So I think that, that big one, all of the fight scenes from about midway on really, really, I'm not sucked. is probably not the right word, but they, 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 they certainly weren't as strong as the, the drama and the horror and the emotions and, and the politics and the read on marketing, the read on, on media. Sure. I think that the analogy I draw is also to uh, the, the action scenes were about as sexy as the sex scene. Um, <laughs> the really, really weird sex scene that was getting drawn out far too long until a car bomb interrupted and it was almost like you were you were grateful for a car bomb um I was I'm just... so glad I'm so glad I'm not alone with that I was like what's going on I know he was supposed to be all cut up because Omar got shot and then and then I didn't know what her read was whether or not she was supposed to be feeling for him and then it was and just she... this was I the only one who felt like was I the only one who felt like they when he first came in, there was tension between them and I thought they were in the middle of a big domestic. And then it turned yeah. out she was just really pleased to see him. And I was like, but wh- where was that tension? What, what was that tension all about? <laughs> oh, it's because you both knew you were about to have an incredibly bad <laughs> sex scene, um, which, you know, I mean, would make anyone cranky. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was, it, it's, it's bizarre as well because, it's a film that is clearly playing or being made to be more PG than the original, as, as Mark alluded to before. But to then, A, put in a drawn-out sex scene in that classification just means it has to end up being very bland. But then I think that also got in the way of the um, the action sequence because they were so carefully... It was like they were making them bigger and bigger, but they had less and less that they could do with them. And so... I think maybe you liked the training one a little bit more, Mark, because at least he could blow things up because it was him versus robots. There was no blood, but whenever it was, uh, whenever there was a bad guy, I mean, that was the awful thing was they then turned the lights back on in the drug raid. <laughs> and when they turned the lights sense. back on, it just demonstrated that apparently in shooting three billion bullets, no one had bled. Because <laughs> that's, that's so what true. the classification requires. But it just looked, it was just, you just sort of thought, well, look, be clever with your editing. If you can't have a scene with blood, then don't have the scene. Uh, the, the, other, the other defense I will make of the training fight is that the Jackie Earl Healy character is actually a better villain than Eric Stoltz. And therefore, Jackie Earl agreed. Healy, for, like, first, he's better, he's more interesting character. But also, you kind of feel like he could have, you know, you feel like he's got it in to prove the situation isn't going to work. And there is actually, there was inbuilt drama and tension in that. In addition to the fact that I, I love the setting and the way they shot the, the, the warehouse scene and there was that big, beautiful wide-angle shot where they went in between kind of the beams and all that kind of stuff. Even, even once you remove that, the function of the story up until that moment meant that there was actual more, you know, this could be, this could be where Jackie Earl Healy proves that it's a fucking disaster, it's not going to work. 
You know, that, that yeah, was actually I, a real possibility. Yeah. Whereas you get to the back end, it's like, well, obviously he's going to win because he's fucking Wooburg or... Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. Um, Jackie L. Haley was so good in this film. Um, he just, you believed him 100% that he was like this ex-military dude who's been running mm. the Omnicorp drone sequence and it's, you know, and he doesn't believe in Tin Man. He's, you know, and just the whole way through, he was so solid. And I was so annoyed that he got shot in the end because I was just like, no, if we're, we're obviously going to set up for a sequel here and you're kind of the best thing about this film like you're the one who actually has a bit of menace and has a bit of gravitas and has a bit of like he has a reason to be there whereas you know the Jay Baruchel and the Jennifer Eel in this film like why were they there other than to say a couple of lines I also I I also thought the 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 MacGuffin uh, of the uh, bracelet should have been introduced earlier if they were going to go with that. It was a really um, the it you, was you though cut, it was introduced well, it in sort Tehran. of was, but it was very briefly done. But it, like I, I kind of felt like they suddenly threw it back in. I, mm. I wasn't. I that that whole final sequence was poorly executed because yeah, I, I don't quite understand why Jackie Earl ended up being beaten so easily, and then the heli the helipad uh, scene where he just suddenly shoots Michael Keaton was just. Oh, it was just okay. a real. It was a real lack of enthusiasm for how to end your film. That's so true. Okay, um, let's go there. I was gonna, I was gonna get there eventually, but but let's go there. Michael Keaton, you know, I get the whole hubris thing. I get the whole, um, you know, you're a red asset. Um, I agree with you, Giles. Perhaps if Gary Oldman had been wearing the bracelet early on, so it's like when he's adapt, when Robocop's adapting, maybe he looks like he might revolt, but he can't kill Gary Oldman because he's a red asset the whole way through. So you kind yeah. of you could have reinforced the fact that you can't kill a red asset. Um, but I get the whole Michael Keaton hubris thing. I get the whole fact that he said, no, no, you're a robot. I own you. I'm a red asset. You can't kill me. And then the humanness comes through Robocop and he gets to defy the robot in him and he gets to kill him. But it was just like, talk about, yeah, going out with a whimper, not a bang. Like it just seemed to happen and it was really poorly edited. And suddenly they're both lying on the ground. And then to add insult to injury, he says, Robocop says, my most hated line in any film ever, which is, it's all going to be okay. (laughs) Anytime any screenwriter writes, it's all going to be okay. I just, I just switch off. I'm just like, that is the laziest piece of writing ever. Well, it's It's particularly given that the two of them could have just been having a joke, you know, like you you could have, in the nature of the relationship between him and Omar, like you, you absolutely could have been like, yeah, you're going to die. But you you could have actually made it funny. But the problem is what they've done to Robocop at that point is they've fucked with his body chemistry so much. By the way, to any screenwriters ever listening, if you feel like you've come up with a plot that involves taking irony, the ability to crack jokes, the ability to, to surprise out of your characters, you've done a fucking terrible thing. Don't do that in your films. Just 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 don't ever do it yeah, to your films. Agreed. Especially when they were having such good banter, but maybe that's the point. Maybe there's going to be like robot irony banter coming through later on or something. But yeah, I just, I agree that end sequence where they're up on the roof and uh, yeah, as you said, Mark, it was so kind of lazy to get there and you were just like, "Eh, whatever, attack of the clones, like I don't care. (laughs) And then it gets to the, they get there and then there's just this like bang, bang, and they're both dead or they're both, you know, lying on the ground. And then it's like, oh, it's all going to be okay. All right, fine. Now we're done. 
It just, yeah, it certainly did not win me over by the end. But for some reason, I don't know, for some reason I still came out going like, eh, solid, like fine, entertaining. I don't know. Yeah, I, absolutely. Look, I, think- I think we are doing a traditional thing, which is to say we like something and then bitch and moan about everything um, <laughs> that uh, was in it. Um, I, I, I'll go as far as to say I, I ended up articulating how I felt about this film was this is what happens if the newsroom makes an action film because I thought this handled drones and politics and Tehran all that stuff really well. Like it was actually quite beautifully <laughs> inserted in. It wasn't heavy handed. It was um, that sort of thing, but it felt like whenever they got to action, they sort of went, well, that's just not important. There's, that's not really part of the uh, statement they're making. And mm. ultimately the stuff like that and the, the emotion, when you start articulating, it's going to be all okay, which essentially is okay. That, that isn't dialogue. That's actually the venue more of the scene. Like you're, you're actually just articulating how, I mean, you may as well have also had him go, geez, I'm not sure I'm going to survive early on in the piece. I mean, it's a bit, you know, it's sort of, you know, that's, that's what's meant to be in my mind, not you saying it to, to your, your colleagues. So I think it was like they treated the stuff that it's okay to disrespect with disrespect, if that makes any sense. Like the mm. stuff that it was almost like this film thought action, sex scenes and um, emotional uh, conclusion were a little bit beneath them, um, which is probably not a good attitude to have going into making Robocop. But th- what they did instead was go, what we're going to do is have a lot of fun. And the reason we didn't bitch moan coming out of the cinema is because that wasn't the end of the film. What we got was Samuel L. Jackson next and mm-hmm. the, the fun with him at the end. So he... And he was clearly, you know, this is like slightly articulate snakes on a plane, Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. So it was, you know, it was just having fun. So I've had I think it with there was a lot of fucking robots and this. Yeah, there's a lot of forgiveness content. for the where it was clever and the mm. fact that where it was dumb. Ultimately, it's not like you go, oh no, that's the hardcore intellectual foundations of any film. I that's so well said the the newsroom you know the newsroom makes an action film because you're right like the bits that I loved were yeah the Samuel L. Jackson um is he is he on ads there in Australia as well like yeah. getting 365 ads? yeah 365 yeah, yeah. yeah right so I, you know, I <laughs> we don't need to name the bloody <laughs> brand <laughs> uh, maybe he does multiple companies around the world I don't know yeah but welcome to it. the like, international as- part of the show yeah, as soon as he was on, I was like, oh, my God, is this a Bet365 ad? And then the fact that, yeah, the, the layers of, um, you know, the the layers of debate about, you know, the powers of the Senate, uh, the how you've got to sell to focus groups, um, you know, how basically how ridiculous we all are as, as consumers and as, as people who want to be protected and how gullible we are. Um, in, you know, what it takes to sell a product to a wary country, um, how much money they're going to make. They're going to make $6 billion if they break into the, into the U.S. market, like all of that. And even just the, the debate between, like, whenever Gary Oldman and Michael Keaton got into a room together, I, I found those scenes really interesting because they're kind of debating, you know, what's, what's a robot, what's a human um, what are the limitations? Where does marketing win out over science? And, you know, those were, I all found really interesting. I need to ask a question because this was, and it's just on your point, but I'm sorry, it's, it's really taking away from it so much. Did, was I the only one who had thought when the first time they had a scene together, Michael Keaton referred to him as dad? 
because what? for like for, for a couple what? of scenes, I thought there was this um, this um, this subtext that in fact the scientist was also Gary Gary Oldman was also Michael Keaton's father, and it and it it actually it works throughout the film. It was just only two thirds of the way through the film that I went, I'm clearly I've misheard something, but. And and based on the the blank expressions I'm getting from the two of you, I am I am I Robinson Crusoe in this one. But um, yeah, it it okay, fine. That's just no, me. I'll uh, the only just, dad just, in the film is uh, is our Robocop, who I thought did I, really I mean, well. No, I am your father. They were remaking several films. <laughs> um, with the when it when it comes to the the supporting cast, it is actually really because Joel Kinnaman isn't that famous realistically. I mean, mm-hmm. Swedish born actor who's been on AMC show, even a, a bubble AMC show at that one. That's kind of like been brought back, you know, in an iffy circumstances. But he's, so um, he's also got the no, no, worst I, role in film. Yeah. 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 No, but he's, but he's, yes, he's, he's, he he's has good to emote. He but you know, yeah, you talk, he has to emote with basically like half of his face, right? Like that's but, all he gets. And then he's told you're no longer allowed emotions. Yeah, it's a hard gig, but I thought he did it quite well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's the, it's the um, it's the character like Oldman and Cornish to me, and Keaton do the heavy lifting in this film. Like they are, they yeah. are the ones doing the real, the real work. And uh, I have to say, Michael Keaton is slightly more evil. Steve Jobs, I thought, was a really like <laughs> it was a really strong role. Like as in, he he came across as a guy who. You know, wasn't necessarily evil by nature, but had made had been pushed into a situation by the law, and kind of was 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 making gradual gradual steps to a point where you know it seemed like he was being reasonable, and then it got horribly off the rails. Now, part of my issue with that is that by the time you get up to the helipad at the end, he suddenly become like you know moustache twirling total bad guy, and it actually felt like that was yeah. I felt like that was undercutting what was a really interesting characterization of of a guy who was just believes in innovation believes in his product and maybe I'm just like you know uh, an industrialist apologist but it felt like he was a really reasonable business guy who'd been super successful and then in the end they were just like ah uh, the only way we know how to land this is to make him let's just make him an asshole yeah let's, let's go with that and it did it did exactly the same thing to Abby Cornish as well who I'd been mm. really enjoying the fact that she wasn't the generic wife of hero character like I was really worried she was just going to be this sort of there to represent the human victim of losing an individual but she'd been really you know involved I liked that they the way they used her they didn't downplay her efforts to go to media I thought that was all you know she wasn't the center of the film but her scenes were really tangible and had yeah. substance and then suddenly she went up to the helipad and basically from the moment where she turned to the security guard and for no discernible reason went, I want to see Raymond Sellers. And it's like, you just came from his office. I do not understand why your first response to seeing a military invasion of this building is to go, I should probably go and see the president of the corporation again because that's just, you know, what anyone would do. And by the time she got up to the helipad, she was, you know, that as much as he was moustache twirling, she was basically, you know, uh, the damsel who may as well have been lying on, you know, just one set of train tracks that was laid across the <laughs> helipad. So true. She turned into the damsel in distress and, and so did the, you know, the son who I thought was, did really well to kind of try and have connections with his dad. Look, I saved the Red Wings games for you. That was a nice time. With you. Yeah. yeah. Like the, you know, the, oh, the whole way through sometimes kids in films, I think I mentioned mm-hmm. this before, just, I can't quite watch them, but the, he just had these big eyes and then, you know, Kinnaman had, you know, they both just kind of looked at each other with, you know, tears welling up in their eyes and that totally had me. So I, I, completely bought the family aspect of it. And actually one sequence that did work, not super action-y, but 
when he saw, like before we get to the night vision goggles, Robocop wandering around solving his own crime, yeah. like solving, yeah. solving his own attempted murder. I thought that worked really well. Like, ever, you know, he goes off piece. No one really knows what he's doing. And then they realize that he's solving his own murder. Um, and I thought that all came together really well. All right. So let's play a hypothetical here. We've decided that this movie was generally pretty decent, except mm. for the ending. Or at least that. And the that, action. That, the action, particularly the action in the lead up. Well, I'm going to say particularly action in the lead up, the end of it. Let's say action and ending. How and should. Okay. How should it have ended? What's how? How would we have landed that so that it it felt like it had a conclusion, but and wrapped itself up without seeming like all of the things that we just described? She should have done something more on his bike, right? Like he should have. <laughs> they should have had sex on the bike while he was fighting off. Exactly. That was some whole movie. <laughs> Done. So I, 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 I think the revelation that Gary Oldman was his father would have helped as well. Uh, <laughs> We've just gone right. completely, completely off piece. No, they ultimately, could have probably... uh, to, to to without trying to play scriptwriter, um, I think uh, Michael Keaton needed to be more the architect of his own destruction. Yes. Uh, and uh, which the original Robocop, Robocop did really well, uh, and um, and and I think that's that was sort of the they lost they'd lost any narrative uh, to the action in in the final scene, which is why it felt so flat. So you know, once you suddenly had Jackie Earl Haley, you know, dead really easily, that that rooftop scene was always going to struggle for any you know how do I pit different sides against each other. And, yeah, I think yeah, or, Michael Keaton needed to try and manipulate and do it wrong or, you know, have a, uh, a problem with, you know, maybe Samuel L. Jackson should have come in. See, I would have killed off Keaton earlier. I would have because I, but maybe because I was kind of enamoured a little bit with Keaton throughout it, I would actually have had Keaton killed off earlier and played up Jackie Earl Healy's uh, as the bigger villain and have, and have Jackie, have the final fight not be between you know, the big evil conglomerate guy. I would actually have it between uh, two guys who are used to getting down and dirty, two guys who are not, who are of similar class as well, maybe, mm-hmm. and have the fight be between them. So maybe you'd have to build up the antagonism between them a little bit earlier. But the sparks are there. You know, you could have done it. That I actually have a certain experience that that might have worked a little bit better on an well, emotional level. I, I totally I, agree. And I would have put in, I would have put in, like, had you cleared out Michael Keaton earlier that should have been a showdown between Gary Oldman and Michael Keaton where Michael Keaton ends up getting killed somehow and that way you have that that power struggle between those two equals and then the climactic, you know, shoot him out should have been between Jackie Earl Haley and Joel Kinnaman. I don't think um, this film would have killed off Michael Keaton. I, I actually don't think this film should have killed off Michael Keaton. I think it was cleverer about business and cleverer about politics that the head of the company would have inevitably survived if they'd sort of been consistent. I actually think that probably what I'd say is a, a variation of what you're saying is that Michael Keaton did something in architect of his own destruction by giving Jackie O'Halley's character too much power. And perhaps maybe, look, honestly, I think probably you're going to find Rick Maddox's robophobia. Um, what you probably had to do was give him some mechanical abilities as well. So you created a villain who could actually really genuinely take him on. Like the, mm. the bracelet of protection is a pretty lame device. Ultimately it's a 
it is as a MacGuffin, but in terms of an action mm. scene, it actually is, it is literally preventing you from having an action scene. Yeah. So what you needed to do was probably give him, you know, it may be after one of the battles, you know, maybe with an earlier battle, Robocop actually injures Rick Maddox so much that he ends up needing to get some robot, robotics installed. And so, mm. yeah, that, so yeah, he ends up sort of, Having for, for, for the fact that he would have self hatred from the robophobia, that that ends up being the, your final battle. What if in this scenario you had taken? I love this, by the way. Well, what else? What other podcast are you going to do this on, right? <laughs> um, uh, what if what if Keaton had decided that they needed to to wrap the whole thing up, that they needed to, to type all the loose ends, and he actually did something to Oldman, and the connection that Kinnaman and Oldman had built up was such a strong bond that actually they could have replicated father-son there and the killing off of Oldman is what finally pushes uh, uh, Kinnaman up to kill uh, to, to, to kill Keaton because that would have made that more motivated, although that would have undercut the whole thing of him being justice. Forget it, I ever said it, it's a bad idea. <laughs> I think the thing is we need to go back to the poor Kim uh, sidekick in this film and just say he's getting too emotional. This film... <laughs> This film basically is brought down by the fact that he's getting he's getting too emotional because what happens we need when he gets more too Jay emotional? Baruchel. Yeah, he was just, just in, he was just from marketing. I'm just from marketing. <laughs> that was I mean, he was so great though. Like you know, like yeah. all those bits where like it's so funny because those bits where he's like you know he tests so well with kids and we just yeah. see if we can make him black. All that sort of stuff was like you know somewhere in 1980s they had that conversation about the original film. Like you know that, that was almost word for word conversation they had. Definitely, yeah. definitely. No, well, it certainly looks like they've set us up for a sequel so we can watch this space. And, uh, you know, may our statuses soon read non-threat, totally stoned, guys. Thanks so much <laughs> for doing the podcast. I love that. Non-threat, totally stoned. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and to our listeners, thanks so much for downloading another episode. We'll be sure to bring you more from the Spoiler Guys soon. Don't play good cop, bad cop. Bad cop, robo cop.